Okay, so good afternoon everyone and uh, welcome to our 11th episode of the Special Needs Hangout. I am Sylvia Moramo-Chabo, the founder of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons. And here at Andy Speaks, we focus on ensuring that we support our caregivers, educate and equip them with skills and information to make the journey of special needs parenting easier. Our main focus is the persons with neurodevelopmental disabilities, and that is autism, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, learning challenges, ADHD, and the work. So the entire comorbids that come along with, uh, with that. So today we have a special guest. We have um, Mr. Peter, and we shall be discussing uh, puberty, sexuality, uh, in special needs girls and uh, I'm sure the first time the issue came out people are like oh my god it's a guy discussing girl stuff but <laughs> he is very very experienced eight years he's been doing this I know most of us as caregivers this is one of those topics that we hear and we shiver and we just get mixed up with oh my god how am I going to handle this when we get there because remember on top of all the other challenges that we have Puberty will still come, it will still be there with us, and we still have to deal with it as caregivers and as families. And uh, the other part is that we actually, either unless you consult in our groups as caregivers, uh, it's usually very hard to figure out how to do it, uh, how, how it is best. And remember, uh, parenting a special needs child does not come with a manual. And uh, we are quite a small group, and also issue of it affecting more boys. The girls is a bit of a difficult topic to handle. So that's why we we saw, we separated the two conversations. And earlier we had the boys, and now we have the ladies today. So our speaker, Mr. Peter, kindly introduce yourself, and then we can just dive into the conversation. Very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, hi everyone, uh, my name is Peter Kamau Musheru, uh, I'm a teacher in uh, special needs education, uh, also a speech language therapist, upcoming uh, for that matter, uh, and I'm happy to be here. I know it's a, it's a tough topic for us to handle, uh, Sylvia says, uh, but uh, I hope we'll be able to dissect it and uh, try to find out. Um, having the experience to deal with uh, teenagers and uh, boys and girls with special needs, I hope uh, uh, I'll be teach. I'll we'll be discussing out of experience. Out of experience is what we've been experiencing in our classes in our school for the last few years. Thank you, Sylvia. All right. Okay. That's that's lovely. Thank you very much. And um, yes, it's been it's been eight years. Just let's let's get a bit personal on this one, so that guys can feel a bit at ease. So, um, for for those who are on, if you have any questions direct, you can actually just uh, put it on your chat box. For those joining, uh, we uh, please ensure we are always on mute. If you'd like to say something, raise your hands or just uh, type on the on the on the chat box on the side. It's always there. 
So yes, so Peter, how, how is it, yeah, you are a teacher at a Kestrel Manor, right? So how, how is it when you have to handle this discussion? Because every time I think of how to start that conversation, you get frozen, you know? And it's one of those questions a parent asks and you're like, oh dear Lord, when I hope I won't have to get to that space. So how, how has it been? I think it's not an easy journey, as you say that uh, it, it, when you think about it, uh, the head starts boiling. Mm -hmm. because you don't know where to start, you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. As you said, we don't come with a manual, neither this one does it come with a manual, uh, the support system, unlike traditionally when we had people to support us, currently we don't have. Initially we will send, we'll be sent to the grandmothers, grandfathers, the aunts and all that, but as we stand, you can see the society is changing, so it is never easy. But anyway, we need to discuss it. We need to break it down. We need to talk about it because it's happening. Mm. We have boys and girls who are growing. We don't need to assume that uh, they are not growing. Each day after their diagnosis of whichever the disability, we know that the child will be developing either chronologically, emotionally. Think about the, the total, uh, the total um, development of the child. Yeah, so we need to to really come into it. Dealing with girls has been a big challenge, I know, but uh, we have no school for girls only. We can't say that we now have, or we can separate and say that now we have a class for girls only. Mm -hmm. So Peter, you'll only be dealing with boys. Mm -hmm. So in my class, I have boys and girls. So I need to deal with them equally. And uh, specifically, I'm specialized in uh, teenagers. I deal with teens from the age of eight to 22. So you expect all these things that we are talking about, they are there with us. Wow, okay, eight to 22. So when is the best age to start the conversation about sexuality with our girls? Uh, considering most of the times a child could have hit the teen, but then uh, as you can know, uh, with their cap capabilities, you find that they're still uh, maybe around eight or even six and five. So what, 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 could be, what, what could be the best way to actually and the best time to start a conversation? When, when we talk about uh, uh, development, I know you've been in the field, so you know, mm. is that we are so much worried about communication. We are so much worried about uh, walking. We are so much worried about uh, all the other areas of communication. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, not many of us will think to engage about a debate mm -hmm. about uh, sexuality from an early age. Mm -hmm. So it starts as a anything because we have different stages of learning. What a child at two years old can learn at four years, five, six, seven, to eight, where our puberty, which is the earliest time that mm -hmm. our puberty comes in, up to 14 and on and on. At every stage, there is something to be taught about sexuality and also about all the other topics that we are checking about. So we have no specific, we have no specific age. We can say that now, let's start at this age. It needs to be uh, to start as early as possible. Okay. 
All right. So how, how early is early? Like, are we going to be following the, the physical age that we know the chrono? Or do we just observe and uh, assess when they could be early? Uh, as in how, what space is going to be the safer space? Because remember, we also, sometimes you're, you're sure, not certain that, okay, she's ready for this or not. And you're having that conversation. And um, most of the time we feel like we don't want to bring, in, bring it up too early. So finding that right time is one of the most delicate uh, moments in, in, in the parenting space, trying to uh, know what exactly is the right time. So the right time depends with the maturity of the child as well, as mm -hmm. we say, mm -hmm. um, as you, you're saying. But again, what else, uh, there, we've said that at every stage there is something that we need to teach. Maybe I won't wait until eight is when I'm teaching the child about the parts of the body. Okay, mm -hmm. so part of the body can come as early, uh, you know, even at grade two, three, they are learning about the, part, the parts of the body. Mm -hmm. So as we continue, uh, we go increasing. Now after uh, getting to a certain stage, now we'll start be spe being specific to what parts we are talking about. If you know that now I'm ready to teach about sexuality, you start adding those, uh, okay, those parts that we call, we don't like talking about, yeah. So at around, um, puberty kicks at around eight. Mm. The earliest kicks at around eight. But before then, we must have prepared them, okay. So there is an initial preparation before we get into the puberty. So anytime, even before eight years of age, it's very much okay to start discussing this. But basically, checking on how old is my child, what is the cognitive uh, ability, how well can the child understand what, what we are talking about. Remembering that ch some children will, will mature before the others. Before the others. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Um, now, when we talk, when we, how, do we, how do we explain to them like the expectations, especially in the body changes? Um, how, how would we best explain it without confusing them and also um, elaborating the, the, the changes, especially when you can tell that they cannot quite respond as other children will respond, like they actually understand. There are those who can, and then, because we're trying to cover everyone here. So I'm imagining a girl who's nonverbal and you're trying to tell them, expect this to happen. So how would we communicate that? Or how would you advise for us to be able to explain to them so they don't get shocked? We all know that potty training is normally a challenge because of the, some of them feel that factor, like why is part of me coming out of me? So how, how do we uh, yes. prepare them mentally for that? True. Um, I think uh, as, as uh, we talked about during the boys, is that uh, we need to start thinking about what are some of the things that this child will need, okay? Mm -hmm. Like when you're doing speech and language therapy, can you incorporate speech and language therapy to, be, uh, to start preparing for, for the sexuality because it's coming? Mm -hmm. So you might not use it uh, at that time to say what exactly this is. But mm -hmm. uh, as you do that, you know that I'll be preparing for this because in future mm -hmm. I might need it. Okay, mm -hmm. it's not that uh, this child is nonverbal, 
but uh, we prepare what what can we what are some of the things that we need we'll be talking about menstru menstrual hygiene mm -hmm. so what are some of the things that i need in the menstrual hygiene so when i'm teaching about a cup i'm teaching about the things that the child use every day mm -hmm. will i also incorporate the things that will come in for the transition mm -hmm. the key word here is to plan for the transition for the children Okay. Yeah. But then I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like hit the nail on the head. Like how do I explain to her that in, in, in due time, you will start growing boobs in due time. You will find that you broaden around the hips because you know, um, th that's the skill we're trying to find. Like, how do you communicate that exactly to, because we have, we, we are in a space of most of them, the people in the audience is parents who either are already there or are, are getting there. Yeah, so like how, what kind of language should we use? How is it done? Either Because we, we assume most of the time that it's done in school. So how is it actually done so that they get it and then they embrace it also? Michelle, you're muted. <laughs> There you go. Sorry. Uh, we start with very simple things that the child interacts with like every day, the parts of the body. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Once you teach the child, oh, this is this is where, this is what, this is what, mm -hmm. then we be very specific. We don't jump any part of the body. Okay. Include even the ones that are not included in the books. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know there is the fear of some of the children are echolalic, so they might repeat. But if you, you put it into the holistic, uh, the holistic teaching of the parts of the body, mm -hmm. then when you need to use that one to teach that specific topic, it will be very easy. This one is done by um, maybe the first thing is to break the whole thing into smaller pieces. Mm -hmm. What do I want to teach today? What specific topic do I want to handle? I want to handle about uh, the menstrual hygiene. So what are some of the things, wh where do we get this? Where is it coming out from? So do we know that name? Okay, it might not be easy, but sometimes we need to use the, the there is the use of pictures. We'll use some of the things like, uh, what we call the models, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. You'll also use some of the things like the tactiles. Yeah, things that the children can touch and interact with. Mm -hmm. So it is, you must be, it's not just a thing that you wake up one day and say, I want to teach this. It's mm -hmm. a flow that is broken into smaller pieces. It will take you long. That's why we said long before eight years, the child should be ready now to interact with that that they are coming to. Okay. So um, now I, I just want you to use in one sentence, how do you tell a girl now normally how you do it in school? How would I as a parent communicate to her that uh, this, this is, uh, this is uh, breast and as you grow and as you are get to a certain age, <laughs> they're going to get bigger <laughs> and uh, the essence of actually why this is happening, you know? Because you see, those are the delicate matters that we're looking at because that is what will happen. And before they start screaming and getting, yes, we've already done the entire body. They understand this part is this part. But now we're talking about that transition, all right? that, okay, uh, in the next few years, this is what you will be expecting. So that, that's, that's, that's more of the direct question. 
Sylvia, that's a very tough question to answer. <laughs> as you say. No, it is. I, I, I believe. I believe. <laughs> I believe so, uh, it is very, uh, yes. very proper. Yeah. Yes, it's a very tough question to answer. How we tell them directly that this is this and this is this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So remember, there is a you teach an organ and its use. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You teach an organ, uh, the, you, teach a, you teach an organ and the uses of that organ. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yes. So when the menstrual flow starts coming, mm -hmm. then the child will be ready to know that this, this one is useful for this one. Mm -hmm. So what is coming out is not something very strange because we had talked about. And uh, also, as we said, it will depend with the cognitive ability of that child. So if it is a child with high, a high-functioning child, that will be very easy. But now when you're dealing maybe with a non-verbal, that will take a lot of, uh, it needs another approach that is a little bit difficult. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, I hear you. Now, uh, there's someone who had asked, um, someone had asked uh, some of the signs one should look out for to know that it's time to teach about sexuality. Like with the boys, we had seen the, the fact that you, you notice that they'll, they'll start fondling with their private part and stuff like that and being curious about um, other people and stuff. So for our girls, uh, what, how, would we, how would we be able to tell? That they're ready for training? Yeah, that they're ready. Apart from the age factor, is there any, any behavior that will come out that will be able to I, uh, tell you that, okay, this is the right time now to start this conversation? Uh, number one, we need to accept and agree that uh, all the children, you see, we have this perception that, that children with uh, special needs are asexual. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we need number one to clear that we are all, all, number one, we see a child first, we see a girl first. Mm -hmm. So whatever you expect in any other developing child uh, or girl, mm -hmm. you also expect in this uh, child with autism or we, we, whatever condition. Mm -hmm. So whatever you look at at a typical child for development, it's the same thing you look for a child with special needs. So as we said, some will come up early and some will delay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. For instance, some children with uh, autism, uh, they will have sensory issues. Okay. Mm -hmm. So and with the sensory issues, some of the things will develop a little bit early. Like in uh, in autism, what we've noticed is that uh, their sexuality develops ma far much earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay. Some. Mm -hmm. So we really need to check on all the, um, all the, all the what, all the, um, what are these things that the children is portraying? Okay. So the first thing what I advise my parents is that check, take that child as any other child. Okay. Take that child as any other child. Plan for that. What you plan for a typical child at three, please plan for a child with autism at three. See the child first. Then the autism later knowing that this child will be developing like any other child so don't wait for any uh, anything to show you that okay now we are ready for 
to start teaching sexuality. So what you'll do with your child who is typical, kindly do the same with a child with autism. They are not as sexual. They are sexually active and at one stage or another, you'll need to handle that one. Okay. All right. So that, that is good. Okay. Now, um, now you touched on uh, something about now the menstruation uh, time when it comes. So that's a conversation that's always had also when you're teaching the body parts. Or uh, is it now you wait until when you're almost getting there to start that conversation? Myself, I don't. You're muted. You're Sorry. So oh. myself, I don't do that. I don't teach uh, that topic. Mm -hmm. There are some good people who help me there. And unfortunately, teacher Lillian is not here with us today. He will have helped us unfold that one. Uh -huh. But what I see is that um, uh, for that one, they start teaching about, um, about things that come about with menstrual health mm. as early as possible. For instance, um, I see them at early age, they start coming with, uh, with the sanitary towels. They start training them with the extra uh, change of cloth. They start tra training. We've lost you. We've lost you, Peter. Hello. Can you hear me? No, we lost you for a while. Tell me. No, we're back. You can hear me now? Yeah, now I can hear you. Sorry. Sorry about that. Okay, no problem. Mm. Okay, so. So I was saying, uh, I see them, what they do is that they prepare for, for those children early. So even uh, before they start, Italian uh, will have helped us in this, uh, before they even start seeing their menstrual health, so, uh, their menstrual flow, they start training them. And uh, maybe they will come with their, during their life skill sessions, they are taught how to put their parts even before they start seeing their menstrual flows maybe it, it is it should form part of the IEP where the parents are making the individualized uh, plan for over any child who is over eight years mm. eight years and above even if they have started or not so let the parent insist that that should form part of so, it so they start training slowly by slowly when this time comes then it becomes so easy for them to uh, now to adopt into it. Okay. Yes. All right. Don't worry. We will we will have actually a session fully on menstruation and menstrual hygiene. But since that was that in the part of of, of uh, just how to teach um, how to teach and bring it up with our girls, I thought that we could touch on that. And um, I have seen someone has mentioned that there is, they have a neighbor who has um, a, a grown uh, special child. And when she's on her menses, she doesn't go to school for a whole week. And of course, that has that impact on a girl's um, education and stuff like that because they're nonverbal and all that. 
and also trying to get them to use to use sanitary towels is one of the challenges. But then we will dive into that conversation with the specialist, that teacher Lillian and someone else um, next month. So no, no sweat about it. Now the the other thing, how do we how do we support our girls in matters self-esteem? when they get to now the teenage phase and the bullying and there is now realizing that, oh, I am different and more to that, uh, that you find yourself growing in different speeds, like you have uh, in the same age and someone else has developed way different from the other person. So how do you handle that self-esteem so that they learn to embrace who they are at their own speed and in their own space? I think self-esteem is about uh, uh, the image of ourselves. Mm -hmm. so, so if we teach them how to, uh, the first thing is to teach the child about me. So they know who I am by understanding who me meaning identifying myself first. Mm -hmm. I know, uh, as you said, we have children with different disabilities. So it will depend also at the spectrum where the child is at. So some will understand about the, ment uh, the, the whole thing. Some don't even realize that uh, they are affected or not. We are the people to speak for them. So the first thing we need to know is that uh, once the children get into the adolescent or the, at that early stage of, um, of, of uh, puberty, they start losing it. This, I call it, is a stage whereby maybe... Uh, the child is sprouting up. They will start worrying, what is this that is coming up? Mm -hmm. why, why is my chest growing now? Uh, some parts of the body starts filling up. Why is my back now also broadening as a girl? Mm -hmm. And some of them might even go uh, silent. We call, the, we call it the mouth off mm -hmm. because they are really not understanding what is happening with them. So if we can help children to self-identify, that would be very important. We are not worried much about the grades, but about the whole child. Who am I? And when we're asking that, we don't let them answer uh, their names, uh, that I'm Peter, that's not me, that's my name. We try to find the child inside, in, out of that child. Can we deal with these children uh, we deal with the issue of uh, weight gain because I know that's one area that they will be worried about. I'm now gaining weight. What is happening with me? Uh, why am I not maturing like all the others? I'm maturing slowly than, the, than so and so. Uh, why do we have some pimples on my, on my face? We need to give them the assurity that there is nothing that is happening. There is nothing that is wrong about them. And um, how we go about this is to start training early, start talking about it early when before it starts. Number two, what I always say is that we plan for transition. I know it's a crazy opportunity. It's a crazy time when we are turning to puberty. So many children, we lose them. This is the time that uh, some of us who are, I call them those who eat the small foxes uh, running after our girls. You can remember to take care of their space, okay? Then we love them without judging them. We need to love these guys without judging them. 
and give them a lot of guidance. So they need a lot of guidance from us, from parents, from teachers. We need to, to create a, a support system for our girls so that uh, by the end of the day is that uh, they are not left to find it for themselves. So what is happening to us? Can we explain to these children what exactly is happening to their bodies? Why the body changes? Why am I seeing this and it was not there yesterday? Why do I touch and feel that there is something on my book that was not there? Am I sick? I think I was dealing with one of my, my friend's daughter and uh, uh, the, the, the father was telling me that the girl is so much worried that something is, there is a stone in her breast. So the father was worried, how do I start to explain this? So it's not something that is a secret. We have gone through it as, a, and I know most of the people listening to us are moms. We need also to involve daddies into this conversation so that we can realize that there is nothing wrong with what is happening with us so that we can keep the, self-esteem at, at par. Wow, thank you for that. Yes, indeed, self-esteem and the changes is some of the things that we usually struggle with. Now, when it comes to the same space, and uh, now on top of the meltdowns that we have, it is combined with tantrums and it is combined with mood swings and the child might not even be understanding what is going on, especially those with intellectual disabilities. So a caregiver is asking, how do we handle the moods at this time? Because you see now it makes it double. You can imagine normally it is hard. Throw in now puberty moods. Mm, mm. So how do you deal with that as a parent? <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are these are hard questions um, i i, I uh, told you it's Sylvia. gonna be a tough one <laughs> but yes. you've done it for eight years yeah. i'm sure you experience yeah. it in class every day so just let assume yes, yes, yes. you're dealing with it yet yes they are very hard questions to, for all of us to answer as caregivers of these mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. Number one, we are dealing with a child. Number two, with a child with special needs, mm -hmm. plus all the other changes that are coming around. Uh -huh. So number one, uh, I, I was doing a research on the same topic. Sometimes uh, I'll be releasing a paper on the same, on the sexuality of uh, teenagers. And you realize that most of us, uh, we, we, we are not well prepared to deal with that. So the first thing that we need to do is that when such things comes, do we understand the child? Where is this child coming from? What are the triggers into our mood swing? Mm -hmm. So how do I behave when I'm, I, uh, how do these how do they behave at certain periods of time? For instance, I know of those who cry the whole day when they are in their, in their menses. So how do we deal with that? The most important thing is to know how to deal with that child. And the first thing will be uh, to find out the triggers. Is it our menses? Is it our, um, is it our what? What are the things that are making us change our moods up and down? Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I've said, we need to deal with them with a lot of love. Give them a very high love without judging them then after that we need to sit back and discuss with the parent and all of us how do they behave at specific time so that we can take the ab the ab mm -hmm. the, uh, the abc's of uh, of of what is happening today mm 
Okay, I, I, that, that, that's, uh, that's good. Um, now, uh, we have caregivers, some of them have actually gone through this and also we'd encourage if you have something to, to say, lift your hand so that we can educate each other. Remember, for our hangout, it's not all about just listening, but it is a conversation we're having amongst ourselves. And then there is that concern that we always have, especially for our nonverbal children and uh, the raising cases of, of uh, molestation and stuff like that. So a uh, parent has asked, what can we do as parents? How, to, how do we teach them to self-protect and to report? Because even you find most of the times, if something happens, we always hear that the society uh, disregards the special children because they say they don't trust what they're saying. But yes, we all know that they do understand what's going on. They do know how to report. So there has been um, a, a fellow parent who has responded and said uh, that uh, when she's bathing the child, she will point out the areas and tell her that if someone does touch her there, she should report it to either the father or the mother. You see, that's one of the things or, that you can do to just uh, raise awareness about privacy. So now we'll shift now from that. Let's go about privacy. Apart from, apart from this, um, just uh, illustrating and, and uh, teaching them what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. So how would you guide, um, how do we guide them to, uh, to explain that? This is appropriate in terms of actions, because remember you find most of them are very touchy feeling, they like hugging, and uh, you do not want this to be dealt, handled with a stranger and misconstrued, and then we have the wrong uh, outcome. So how would you do, you second that, and what more can we add onto that? I think I like what I've seen one teacher doing uh, when uh, we are dealing with uh, most of teenagers who have opposite sex. Mm -hmm. uh, what I've seen a good teacher of us doing is that uh, they teach the children who is huggable and who is not. We start from there because you realize that they want to hug everyone. They want to hug uh, people of the opposite sex. So what I saw this teacher doing, and that was very good, is a child who has grown only with the father. So the father has trained her, you can chew me, and you can also chew, uh, uh, you can also hug me. So it was a long discussion just to tell the father, please, let's stop, because we don't want to send in the mixed reaction. Why, is my, why are we being told not to kiss this one? Why are we not told to hug this one? So what the teacher did was just to stop the whole thing. Kindly, let's, let's now start teaching about the space so that we don't mix up the child. Are we uh, teaching about hugging people of opposite gender or sex? Please, uh, as a boy, getting at this age, I should not hug women at all, at all. So maybe you tell them it's only mommy, and uh, yeah, what they said, it's only mommy. So they will only, slowly by slowly, the child will be able to learn because they wanted to hug like any other person. And eventually, we learned that the child was able to, to stop now hugging everyone. So I think uh, we also need to, what is happening at home should also happen at school. So not at school, we are teaching no hugging. Then at home, we are allowing the child to hug everyone again. So that becomes a little bit challenging and also giving different uh, signals. Um, the other thing that, apart from just organizing, I've uh, been reading on the same, and uh, one of the things that is encouraged is ensuring we talk and talk 
and talk about it over and over. But then now, like now I'm telling you, Peter, like you just say chumdad or chumdad, but then now what I believe is like, we should call it as it is, you know, because when we are, when we, when we change the language of what is the reality, like if it's a kiss, let's not use secondary names, I believe, because someone else will go and say, uh, may I kiss you? And then they, they, they won't be able to relate even when they come and report like someone did this to me and it, it's, a, it's opposite what you taught them, they might take it that it is okay because it is not. Remember, uh, for, I think for us, because our children, what you teach them first is what sticks and that is uh, yes. what they, they hold on to. So one of the things that we should do is when we're discussing sexuality, we, we, don't, we don't talk about, you know, the way that people nickname different body parts. So if it is breast, let's yes, call them yes. that. So that that way, when something happens, this is also addressing now the question that we had about um, uh, them reporting. So that things are very clear. When they come to you and let's say at home, we use the code name, like, um, like this is private part, this is tutu, this is what... There, if something happens and you're not there to clarify what that is, they might not understand. The person who receives first-hand information might not understand, just in case of an emergency. But then if, if, let's say, someone takes advantage of them and you have been having the conversation and you've been using the correct words and terminologies, you will find a child will be able to tell you that also picking some of, of, of the learnings we had when we had the boys' session, where the, it was said, like, also when we are referring to people, not everyone is uncle and auntie let them be who they are that way they can be able to clearly differentiate this person even if you use anti use plus their name so if it's anti x y z you know so they know if they're coming to report and say mm. uncle uh, uncle uncle george did this to me then you will know that they, this is the person and they will tell you all yes. oh, xyz touched my you know um touched my vagina or touched my breast or touched my butt because remember we have people who misbehave and grope uh, also our girls something that should not be allowed because remember also when it happens they also if it happens like more than once and you've not said it is wrong they might take it like it's a normal thing or what do you think peter yeah i think that's very true they should we should call the names as they are and uh also, we let them know that children are not to vote. I was looking at a, at a syllabus that I was looking from somewhere. You know, in Kenya, we don't have a sexuality, uh, sex, uh, sexuality syllabus that we can use for our boys and girls. Mm -hmm. I was looking at something from, um, uh, from the UK, and they talk about it the way it is. So who, who, uh, what are we talking about? We are talking about a vagina. We are talking about a penis. We are talking about the body parts as they look. So that also when these children, they are learning, though there is that fear of uh, public and private, uh, Sylvia, mm -hmm. where parents, uh, as, as for some of us with children with autism, they, are, they fear that the children will speak those words in public. Mm -hmm. So there is also, as you've asked, the, the issue of public and private. But the first thing also I will also encourage is that we have a support system of people also who understand us. So that if they hear uh, uh, a child X say a penis, they will, not, they will not be worried. Why is this saying this? They will be in a position to understand that this child is coming from here and is going here. So it's better we teach them about it than being quiet then if be sorry later. 
So the most important thing is that, uh, as you're saying, we call things as they are called. If it is people around us, like we keep on changing the caregivers, who comes in? They are all aunts, but it's aunt who, okay? It's aunt, aunt who, it's uncle who, who is coming into my house. Let's call it, call them by their names. If it is teacher, let it be not just be teacher. It's teacher Peter, okay? And uh, some of them, they will go and uh, describe it, teacher Peter with a gap. So that will be very easy. What are some of the features that the child can use to identify me with? Okay, yeah, that, that's, that's actually great. That's awesome. And then um, the other thing is when you're having this conversation to make it, um, let, let even the, the inner circle, that is your family, immediate family, we're talking about the nuclear family, like you mentioned, we should involve the father. If they have siblings, also have the conversation together so that they also understand. Because remember, we also have other things that we're doing. So you might not always be there to be the first one to be reported to. So everyone in the household should be yeah. part. And then if, if, if your child is not able to speak, what you can do is, um, I think if we print out, we print out like the, 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 the different parts of the body that we're talking about when we are teaching them. Then if someone, then you have them in a specific place where you, you know that the, if they need to communicate something with the relation to that, because this will also, believe, I believe will help, like let's say for us ladies, when you're having infections and stuff like that, like when you're having cramps and stuff like that if you have images that uh, describe that and they're put in a specific place the child can go and pick and show you this is what i'm feeling this is what i'm going through and that also helps you to intervene because you know some, some sometimes it can be quite a challenge uh, to figure out some of, of the things and also reaching out for assistance like uh, in our support groups like teacher, teacher Peter has said in the support groups that we have as caregivers also if you're having a challenge there those who've gone ahead of you make sure you have that buddy buddy group and also have your girl have um, another special needs uh, girl who is either in the same space, because it's always easier when you walk through a journey together. I believe so. What do you believe, what do you mean? What, what's your view in that, Peter? Yes, uh, this, this is not a new journey. Uh, mm -hmm. There are people who are walking ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we say is there is no, uh, in parenting, there is no experts. There, there are no experts in parenting. So there are always people ahead of us whom we can uh, look for. At least have, have some people I like what uh, Dr. I was talking to Dr. Jane the other day and she told me, uh, Peter, I'm calling you to go and look for people that you can use to mentor young boys with special needs. So can we come up with a system where we can get people that at least we can call if it is a boy has an issue, we can reach out on Peter and uh, ask Peter, how can we do this, okay? If it is a, 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 a parent or a teacher that you trust, let's discuss this all, as all of us together, then we come up with a, with a support system. I like what I heard from uh, Mwea, Kirinyaga County. What they have done, they have gone ahead to come up with um, uh, the child protection uh, support group. So where they are pulling in people of all, from all uh, source of this life that we think, think of administrators, think of, so that when there is something that is coming up, we know whom to call. Okay.
Um, thank you for that. And uh, there is a parent when we're talking about now private space and public space. So we are being asked, how do you let your child know that they should not undress in the presence of other people? So we're now moving to privacy, not of now the body parts, but you know, behavioral privacy in terms of how to sit, especially for the girls. Uh, I believe sitting is not so hard, but then there are things like, we know we have, <laughs> undressing is not a new thing, especially with autistic parents, because the child will just either run out when you're yeah. dressing them to where they're people. So, how is the best way without killing their self-esteem and without making them feel like you have seen that the one seen in the world? How would you communicate that to a child? Remembering that you said we have to remember their children first, and then there is all these things and changes that are going on in them. That's always a challenge to many. Uh, I think the first thing is that uh, what we need to do is uh, when we are try, tra starting to train. For instance, you are changing for shower. Mm -hmm. Do they change from anywhere? Today, they change from the sitting, tomorrow from the kitchen, the other day from outside. So what is the specific place that they can be changing for maybe shower, okay? Mm -hmm. So we define, we define the boundaries. So where am I changing for my, am I going to sleep? Where do I change into my sleeping legal in the pajamas? We need to uh, have a, a proper schedule of things on how they should be done so that we don't give a mixed, uh, mixed, what, mixed reaction to the child because we are teaching this then and teaching it with something else. As you said, our children, what they learn first is what they run with. So if you don't give it at, at first the right thing, then uh, you'll still have a challenge. But again, I realize that there are those with autism that um, they don't mind even uh, undressing in public. So those are some of the challenges that we are facing also in school. And um, as we do that, we, if it is in a school setup, do we predict, show the child what is needed of them? Number one, have we shown them where the washrooms are? because some of the behavior will come as a way of communication, okay? So have we met the child's need within the, the environment? So we should prepare to transit from one environment to the other, because mainly you realize that the behaviors don't just come. They happen because of a certain trigger. Will it be changed? You've walked into a mall. The child, how does he communicate that he wants to use the washrooms? Is the area well uh, accommodative for him? If not, then you expect some of the behavior. So you need to know what are some of the behaviors that I'm expecting from my child. If it is undressing, so how do I take care of this? Sometimes we say, if it is a boy, can we do, a if they do the pants, they remove the pants, can we do uh, a, a trouser with a, with a belt today? Okay, so that when it will not be very easy, but you will know when he starts touching, he maybe wants to use the bathroom or something like that. The other thing that I believe that helps, like you said, because of routine, we need to have, be consistent in where we do things. That will help them to know this is the only way. And the more consistent you are, the easier it is for them to get that. Um, now, to talk, when, we, when we're talking about now the, the different body parts and, um, and the changes, one of the other skill sets that I've also read about is for you as a, as a mother, when you can take time to stand in front of a mirror with your daughter, 
all right? And then you, you point out, like, and then you explain. You see, mommy is different. You are different, okay? When you grow over time, you will also look like this. You understand? If it's about hair, if it's about uh, the hips and having, you know, all these body changes and uh, similar to boys, that, that is one of the things they can do with the fathers because at least they remember they're very tactile and visual. So if pictures don't make sense, then maybe most of the times that then you will find that it will be easier to use yourself as a, as a parent, as an example, so that they are able to understand. Because sometimes you can use words, you can use pictures, but pictures can be 2D or 3D, but then it might not quite get home. So if you see, or if you, if, you, if you come up with also, let's say you have a sister or a sibling and you have different ages, let's say for you, you're a mature lady, then maybe you have another teenage daughter or even a niece or, you know, a nephew, and then there is them. So if the three of you stand in front of a mirror and you explain mm-hmm. to them, like, can you see you are like this? And when you get to the same age as uh, your sister XYZ, it will be like this. And when you're fully grown and the process of your body changes has uh, completed, then you will look like mommy or something close like mommy. Mm-hmm. So you, that, that helps you uh, with them to uh, get to understand what exactly it is we're talking about. Um, there is actually a manual that we have, but it's very intense. And uh, we will be uploading it on, for those who are not aware, we have a platform called uh, Special Needs Info Hub, where we put resources for caregivers to be able to refer to. But uh, this has not yet been uploaded yet. I will make sure we upload it soon. But let me just share um, my screen and show you one of the pages of um, how to explain these changes that come in the body. there you go. I hope everyone is seeing. So you see, these are some of the, this is what, what is one of the ways we are advised. Like if it's the, when you're pointing to them, you say, show me the head, show me the arm, show me your leg, where is your stomach? That will help you in terms of cramps and stuff like that. Show me your foot, your lips. That also shows you about when you're talking about kissing, don't kiss on the lips, kiss on the cheeks. When we're talking about breasts, we're talking about the face and the testicle and the pubic area and also hair. Remember, there is that. So for us, especially needs parents, you'll find one of the things that we will have to let go and lose is that shyness and that um, issue of, of, oh, my God, I'm shy. Oh, my God, my baby might not be seen. But you see, that is the sacrifice we might have to do to be able to save guard the security uh, of our own kids and i know like we've mentioned earlier the issue about time is one of the many challenging things that we find also in terms of growing up there will come a time when you have to explain to them about um having sex and how it's done and whatnot because now remember we're not talking about just the early stages but we're talking about the full the full length of adolescence and past because there is a, uh, one, of, one of our field days, um, a parent approached me and was like, the daughter is asking, the younger sibling has been married and she's not married yet. And she's asking, why is she not married? She also wants her own person. Because remember, as Peter said, they're still humans, individuals like everyone else. And they're seeing the changes in life and they're expecting to be living the same lifestyle. So the parent is, is feeling, how do I explain to her things are different and you cannot just uh, bring someone. And now this will shift us now to the discussion on relationships. 
you know, Peter, how do we handle relationships when we are talking about, so this book, we will upload it. It's a whole, um, it has activities and things, you know, like how, how do you touch a good, how do you teach them what is good and what is bad when it comes to teaching and people's reaction so that they understand the boundaries and read things like, you know, because they're huggy, uh, if someone reacts like this, uh, what does it mean? And stuff like that, and about space, and like this one, it's about what is about boyfriend, girlfriend, the doctor, the doctor is how is the doctor supposed to teach you some of the relations? How is distance, you know, between people, you know, stuff like that? So I'm just I'm just flipping through to just show you a, a tidbit of them. So you find in it we will have the different types of good and bad touches and how to, how to handle it. So it's generally a guide that uh, requires um, a lot of activities in the house. Also, when we are talking about hugging and how to hug and how to maintain appropriate distance, because remember, some of our kids can really be up in your face. Like they, they will, they will in, infringe on personal space and they won't be aware that if it's okay or not okay. And most of the times you might find that people who might not take it, um, mm. take it well. Um, they it might be misinterpreted because I know there is a story where we had um, uh, someone blaming because the the boy did not know the right the, you know the way the doors are labeled male and female and he walked into the wrong one and this girl screams and it was a long police case and you can imagine for a challenged child that is not the best of experiences when you are actually. Um, getting into this space of puberty. So, so these are some of the, the images and practical things you can do in the house to just explain to them about distance, being close, uh, about physical contact, and who, because you, you know, have family members you can use as examples. And you see now, like that one shows you reactions. If someone reacts like this, you should back off. Because not, remember, not everyone is so welcoming. And that's one of the challenges we're also facing right now during Corona with the social distancing. All right, and also like coming from the back and uh, approaching someone from the back can also get them into trouble. And hi-fi being the safest way to just have, um, what do you call it? Uh, being the best way to just say hi so that we do not intrude in people's personal space. Um, so that's, that's some, of the, some of the reading that we have. So we'll post that up and if anyone would like that, you can uh, always drop us an email or DM us on any of our social media for us to be able to share that with you because it's, it's a whole 80 page document <laughs> that will be able to help you um, also navigate and do. So it's, 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 it's a way that you can actually teach your child like um, step by step over time and start that conversation. So Peter, mm. over to you again. I go a little bit back on uh, what you've just said about mm. uh, uh, modeling. Mm -hmm. Modeling is very important and it's key uh, to our children. Uh, I'll, I'll give an example of how I teach my boys. Remember we are using boys, uh, boys for uh, teenage boys maybe they don't know how to use the urinal or the toilet at, at, at teenage. How do we do this? Mm -hmm. I'll walk with them to the urinal uh, and stand with them, all of us facing the wall. Others will drop their clothes down. So you need to model a proper dressing code for them, how you're supposed to stand, how you're supposed to do all that stuff. Uh, I also learned another one from one of the parents, I don't know if she's here, very good. 
that uh, she will walk with the daughter to the toilet, all of them, both of them. Then they sit on the ball. The mother sits, then the girl will follow suit. So it's the easiest way to teach by modeling. So if parents can be able to model that, but again, they, the, the parents we've talked with, they say, oh, Ataniona. <laughs> so as you've said, we need also to put away uh, our traditional way of living and know that we are dealing with a child now. And uh, maybe when you are dealing with autism, they might be with you, but they are not seeing what you are doing. They're just seeing what they can see, but some of those things don't even make sense to them until we explain to them. So you also asked about the relationships. Um, the relationships, that's a big topic again, uh, that, that needs to be handled. And in the relationships, you, you know that our children, some have good um, social skills. Uh, if we want to teach them about the relationship, depending on what we want them to learn, we need also to check on the holistic development of the child. Uh, how is their communication? Will the child be able to communicate her, her, her functional needs, her, her, the functional communication part of it, the social awareness, uh, is the child able to identify the environment around them and people around them who are, who are strangers in our midst, who are people within our family. So there are quite a number of things that we need to check about in relationship as we teach them. We check them on the family and friends, who can we call a family member who is a friend. Also our body comes in again. We need also to learn about our bodies. When which are some of the private parts, that, what are some of my private parts? And uh, what are some of the that and which one cannot be seen? Because socially we need to see uh, that our children, uh, there is what we regard as the society, the social norms, okay? Which might not, not also be very normal in social circumstances when we are dealing with children with, uh, with special needs. So the relationship is a big uh, topic that also, we need also to check on the private and public about our children. So it's very important uh, when we are teaching this, we let our children know. The other question I had was about boy girlfriends. Uh, there was a heated debate in one of the meetings that we were in where a parent was saying we need to connect our children together now if you have a boy, I have a girl, can they get married? Then we share cause, we, 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 we post share and we make them have a life. So that also goes back to us as parents, what do we regard and our society, what do we regard? Remember there is, a, there, there is the issue of, uh, of the culture also that comes in as Africans. We believe in some things, we don't want to speak about them in public. Like, um, one case I've been dealing with uh, two boy, a boy and a girl in uh, in love. I don't know if it is in love or or, or something like that. But uh, when we went to discuss this in uh, somewhere in a boardroom, it someone said, "I'll shoot him when I see him closer to my girl." So we need also as parents to be educated around this that they can also make relationships. But we need to show also to what extent can our children go into a relationship. Uh, is it um, a boy-girl relationship? Yes. How far can they go into this? Because they are not living in a, in a world of their, there is no world of, of uh, disability alone. They live in the world that they are living in. 
and where people are making love, they are becoming friends, they are becoming, they are making boys and girls, uh, girlfriends, then we need to ask ourselves, how are we going to help them go through this? Uh, I know it's a controversial topic, but uh, again, we need to face it, Sylvia. True, because we always say, yes, our children are special, but they live in a community. So we need to learn best how to integrate them and not isolate them. Because sometimes, remember, if, if God forbid you're not there, they will be left to the rest of the world and not everyone might know how to handle them. So they need to be prepared for that. And they will grow and they develop and they change. So it's not that they're going to be stagnant in the same space uh, through and through, um, but the fact that they're going to be evolving with time. And as they evolve, we also need to be uh, evolving with them in terms of if they're in the space right now, they can have a relationship. Not that you force them to go there because we know there is the challenges that we always find. There are parents who always say like, okay, if these hormones are too much, I don't know how to deal with it. I would like to seek for medical interventions to just control that. So Peter, I don't know if you've had any experience with that. And uh, also there is the other thing about uh, when it comes to now sexuality and body reactions. And we, we have parents who say, I would rather... Um, use what are they called family planning on my girl other than coming to learn that someone you know uh took advantage of them and they get pregnant so i don't know what are your thoughts on that and if there's any parents who can share their experience or what they feel about that it would be it would be beneficial for the rest of us to just get to understand how do you deal with that when it comes to that point and uh you're scared would it be something to think about, uh, is it something to consider, or we just let nature take its course? What, what do you think, Peter? You are muted. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, no, it's still, one, one second, one second, Peter. It's not responding in good time. So either you do it because I'm unmuting you and it's refusing. So just do it on your side. There you go. Okay. Good. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting some background noise. That's why I'm muting it. So okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. So what I'm saying is that uh, it's a controversial topic uh, about um, uh, dealing with uh, our teenage boys and girls. You've seen the controversy even in the country about... Uh, uh, how are we going to handle? Do we introduce the? Um, uh, do we introduce uh, things to do with contraceptive? Every day, so I think there is need for caregivers also uh, not to wait for the people that think they will. They are talking for us, like um, the activists. People want to gain their milestones when they are discussing about our children's sexuality. We need to engage to a discussion and tell each other the truth. We ask each other what is working at our, at our level. Because some of the things that we think are so bad, they're not that bad. And some of the things that we think that we can adapt, they're not very... Yeah. So, uh, for instance, if, I, if we talk about the point, I was reading something in a, in a, in a, in a unit from a, a, a UK-based curriculum. They're talking about training them about masturbation. In Kenya, it's happening. 
So how do we deal with that? Yes, how do we deal? How do we help our children to go through the whole process? Because all these things are happening. So what I'll say about the the contraceptives and how to deal with that, because it's still in debate, we leave it to the parent to think about it. So far, I've not received any uh, parent who wants to go through the medical intervention, but uh, you find that so many parents live in fear that could my child be abused? Could my child be um, taken advantage of? What about, what about? What is the future of this child who has a special needs and uh, uh, my child with special needs? Will they ever have a family? Those are some of the questions I'm receiving. That was the discussion that led to, can we bring them together, get them a boy or a girl whom they can love each other with and uh, they can fall in love with, then we help them live through their life. So that is a big discussion, Sylvia, that needs to be addressed with sober sobriety, with a lot of sobriety. Okay, we will, we will try a best level best to be part of the conversation so we do not have this, some of these things put out that are maybe not safe. Uh, let's see, I know on Tuesday we'll be having a discussion uh, in a conference with Kepra, the ones who set up policies, and I'll be taking up the conversation on uh, sexuality in our youths and uh, also menstrual hygiene. So this will be part of the take-homes that we will be taking from here to just uh, present to the rest of them. And I hope uh, we'll be able to represent our community uh, very well. And also the menstrual hygiene laws were just put the other day. So we're in the process of analyzing that and see what level of inclusion that we have for our girls, our special needs girls, because most of the time you'll find this is the most crucial stage where the things are launched and we discover that our kids were not considered in, in, in that space. So let's hope that that, that goes through very well. Um, for those in audience, Kindly, if you have any questions, you can put it on the chat. And for anyone who would like to receive the manual, please also put your email address um, on, on the chat box so that I, I can mail that to you uh, so that we can be able to help you walk the journey with your child uh, during this, this moment. So now, um, the other discussion that I wanted us to touch on, Peter, is about... Um, maintaining space with relatives. No, we've had most cases that things have shifted. It's no longer that stranger who waylays your girl, but the people we trust at home. So apart from the communication and teaching them where not to be touched, when we're talking about space and when you're talking about respect of um, privacy, do we have, because uh, you see, these are the people who know the vulnerabilities of our girls. They know maybe this girl cannot talk. They understand the limitations and stuff like that. And our children, most likely you find, have a level of trust with uh, some of these people. So, and, and, and there could be that gray area when it comes to that and you say, I'm for so-and-so. So does that mean that we limit uh, that physical contact with the rest of the extended family completely? Or how, how would we safest do this to just safeguard the sanity and the innocence of our girls? See, on that, I think, um, as we as in the society we are living today, uh, change, things are changing so fast. Things are changing so fast. And the first thing I can say is that uh, our children are not safe. Neither are they safe with, uh, with, their, with the strangers or even the people they know. 
because mostly the statistics are saying that most children who are abused, they are abused by their very close people that they trust and people that they, people that they can also as caregivers, we need to raise, um, we, we need to think around it so hard and know whom can I trust my child with and whom can I, uh, who is this pers one person that my child can be able to, to uh, we can entrust our children to. Because uh, when you're talking about the relatives, they are the ones who are abusing our children as we, as we stand, both with and without special needs. Uh, there was a case last week of uh, even the brothers in the house. Uh, there was that case I was listening last week of two girls impregnated by their own brother. When the mother asked, they are saying, oh, who's? Wanasema, this is from my, it's for so-and-so. Who's from so-and-so? So we need also to, it's, I think, Sylvia, I don't even know how to put it, but uh, it's a big debate that uh, is happening. But we, to me, no trust to anyone. I think number one, who are your inner circle? And whom can I leave my child with? And whom can I not? Okay, I, I hear you, I hear you. Because that's the safest bet anyway. Because, um, well, it, it's usually such a delicate, a delicate matter that uh, we have to deal with. But also the other thing we need to teach our children is the consequences also, I believe, right? that they need to understand, um, our children need to understand that if, if I do this and if this happens, these are the consequences. Because sometimes when we don't, if we just say, don't do this, don't do this, it might not make sense to them. And someone else might come and tell them the opposite, that no, it's okay, your parents lied and stuff like that. So we also have to maintain our relationships with our children to be very sacred and very close so that uh, you find that they, they really, really understand. Oh, Peter, what do you think? How, how, how best um, should we go about that one? Or what do you believe? Uh, I was watching one uh, person who was uh, having a discussion with their daughter, and mm -hmm. I really liked it. It's a, it's a typical child, someone talking with a child, with a daughter about why they the girl felt that he needed uh, the she needed the father to know the girlfriend, the boyfriend. Sorry, and uh, the father was explaining to the girl why you think why it is important to have the boyfriend, and after the boyfriend, what happens the whole stages, and what are the consequences of having whoever you you mean. For instance, do I know your boyfriend? Uh, who is your boyfriend? Why, why do you need to have one? So it's a long discussion, okay? Then uh, I, I had them go to a discussion about the pregnancies, about the, the intimacy into it, okay? About the love and the infatuation. So if we have clear discussions with them, more so uh, with our uh, children, those who can understand in the upper side of the spectrum, if there is any part like that, then I think we'll be a little bit safe. And also we train them on where is my privacy, whom can we talk to, whom can I trust, whom can I not trust at this moment? Because it's a, it's a big issue in this country where we, I don't know what has come into people, they are, they've decided, the small foxes have decided to eat even mm -hmm. our, our grapes that are not even, uh, they are not ripe yet. So we need people to help us get into hold of those small foxes.
Okay. And also, I think we need to tighten our uh, Sylvia mm -hmm. uh, because you see it in some of these uh, forums. We tighten some of our rules and law and 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 laws. They be followed to the latter, so that we can at least. I I don't see why children will live in. They have no any other world. So if we cannot protect them as a society, then we have no need even to be around them. I totally, totally agree with you. Yes, uh, as we we as we generally protect the child and the girl child, our children need that extra protection because of uh, the challenges that they have growing up. And I can I've not seen any questions, so I believe uh, everyone is sorted out. And looking at the time, also it's about that time that we come to the end of our hangout and conversation. And I'd like to say a big thank you, Peter, for taking time and also for warming up and accepting to have this very, very sensitive conversation about uh, the girls that uh, we are raising in the spatial needs space. As caregivers for all of us who joined, thank you very much. I'm made to understand there was a small hitch uh, with login, but uh, most of us are here and uh, I am glad that we were able to do this. Next week is the end of the month. And that is usually when we say, you take care of yourself. So it is self-care Saturday next week, which will be 1st of August, meaning you take your time so we won't be having a session on Saturday. But the other Saturday after that, we shall be hosting Dr. Samia Pauline from the Aga Khan University, who will be taking us through uh, uh, convulsions and epilepsy and the medications that our children uh, are taking and why do we take them and all those questions you always have and at what point to do what. So we are going to be handling that on the on the 7th of August. And after that, then we will, we will also roll out the rest of the program. Remember, menstruation on its own is a topic on its own. We shall be having um, two or so people to have the discussion with. And uh, it will be also very uh, informative, for lack of a better word, because we know this is one of the hardest questions. I found it, it was going to be very heavy for Peter to have to handle that. <laughs> As you said, it is, this is a very, very delicate topic to discuss. So thank you all, all of you for being here today and be sure to set your alarm for that discussion on the first and uh, following. So we are here every Saturday, but for Pauline's session, it's going to be in the evening, that's at 6 p.m. So please, Keep that day open. That will be on the 7th. We shall be having it, uh, 7th or 8th, yeah, the Saturday, the second Saturday of August. Uh, we shall be having it uh, in the evening because of the timelines, being a doctor, and we all understand the situation that's there. So set the date. Thank you all very much, and don't forget to take care of yourself this whole week and next week, and we shall be back. And uh, the sessions will, as always, be posted on our social media. I hope you're following us to see the discussions that we're having and all the events that we have, either off online or offline, and also on our social media handles. You can follow us on Twitter, at Andy Speaks for on Instagram, Andy Speaks. Uh, my handle is Sylvia Mochabo, that is on Instagram, and on, I, on uh, Twitter, it is Mora Sylvia. On Facebook, if you're not in our group, where we post a lot of encouraging situations, and for this topic, we've seen there was actually a marriage, marriage ceremony 
for special children, two of them, and they're living very well. So it's something that's very, very, very possible. So don't give up on your child. Don't feel like, oh my God, my child is not going to have a life and stuff. It is possible. Work with them, hold their hand, and prepare them in good time so that life does not disappoint them. Manage their expectations because I'm sure they can see friends, they can see family, they see movies, and they see these things happening so that they don't feel like, oh my God, if this is not happening for me, why? So as to safeguard that self-esteem of theirs, let us talk to them, talk to them, talk to them. So I've been your host as always, Sylvia Moramo Chabo, and we shall be seeing you on the 8th, 7th or 8th of August, the next Saturday, when we'll be having our next hangout. Have a fabulous evening. We've had two interpreters today. We had Jackie sitting in for a bit uh, for Maureen Maida. And uh, because we are an inclusive space, we always have to cater also for those who are uh, hard of hearing. So thank you very much, everyone. And do have a fabulous weekend and regards to your family. Thank you.